Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. I'm back today with my audio blog, my journey with my mom through assisted living and hospice. As you know, my name is Hari Kulsa. I am I am the radio host for the Healthcare Whisper Radio Show, but this is my own audio blog about the journey that one takes when one's loved one is in a living hospice or nursing care, or when you're caregiving for someone at home, the issues remain the same. I mean, they vary. There's variation on the theme, but the issues remain the same. Uh, so, my I, I said last time that I was going to talk about death and dying. Before I get to that part, I wanted to just say that I. Uh, things have been pretty calm with my mother. She continues to decline. She's she's continues to lose weight even though she's eating again. She doesn't eat every meal. You know, that's the thing about a journey with someone who's dying is that there's no set pattern. People would like to tell you, well, there's this pattern. You know, well, this is going to happen. Well, there are some things that happen. They continue, The decline continues. But there's no, what happens, I think, a lot is that people plateau. They have the, the body breaks down, things change. You can see that the end is coming and then it's it like plateaus. It's like when you're trying to lose weight. You lose 10 pounds and then you don't. You plateau and you think, oh, what do I have to do to lose the next 10? And it's the, it's it's sort of the same thing where all of a sudden, you know, you think you're on this trajectory especially when someone has a chronic illness. And, I mean, there may be something else going on with my mother, but we're not doing any more testing. Because once you enter hospice, although you can change at any time, once you enter hospice, you really don't do any more testing. The other thing is is that Medicare pays for hospice for those people that are on, you know, over 65 or disabled that have Medicare. It pays for hospice. But it doesn't pay for any any kind of lab test. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't pay for uh, X-rays or radiology or anything like that because technically it's the end of your life. So why would you need to have any of those kind of things? One thing about hospice, the decision. So the decision making in hospice. Unless you've had the conversation with your your parents or your loved one, it's a tough road because you're making all these decisions at the end of the life. Now, I was lucky, and I, I really encourage people to have this conversation with their loved ones because it it's tough when you're alone or even if you have siblings or if you're the main caregiver or the healthcare proxy and you're making all these decisions, it, it, it's, it's difficult. So you have to make the decisions about what kind of care you're going to give to your loved one. Are you going to do it? Most people think, uh, you know, if I've just signed a DNR, do not resuscitate, that covers everything, but it really doesn't. There are other other questions you're going to get asked. Well, if your loved one stops eating, do you want to put in a feeding tomb? Usually in hospice. You're not going to have that, but some you you can you can really it's just because you're on hospice doesn't mean you can't do anything. It doesn't mean you can't continue. And anytime you can change, you can change how you want to approach the care of someone. 
And what I mean by that is if you decide uh, that you want to put a feeding tube or you want to have some lab tests done, then you can. It may mean that you're going to have to pay. Uh, for instance, though, I was talking to the hospice doctor, and I said, well, I don't want her to go to the hospital. I don't want to do anything. If she falls, she falls. You know, we're not going to do any kind of and any major work on my mother. I, I, I really believe any kind of anesthesia or anything would, would be the end of her life. And she, the hospice doctor, who is very sweet and kind and experienced, and this is her life's work, said to me that said to me that she has her experience has been that sometimes when elderly people in on hospice break a hip it's actually better to 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 do something for it because the pain can be excruciating and i had to really step back because that's something i hadn't really thought about uh she said well sometimes we just pin it you know put some pins in or we shift it or we do something and I was just like, oh, please, Mom, don't fall. Don't fall on your hip. You know, don't do that because I don't want to have to make that decision. Um, you know, I'd have to assess how much pain my mother's in. What's what's the trade-off between my mother getting anesthesia and her brain and losing more of her brain, or the pain making her even more crazy? Because pain, if you've ever had severe pain, you know how difficult it can be. Uh, the agitation and the stress of pain. My mother's already agitated, although we've controlled it with medication now, but pain would put her over the top and I would lose her completely. So these are the kind of decisions that you're constantly having to deal with. You know, every day I I get a call. Well, most days I get a call. The last few days I've been lucky enough not to have gotten a call because I finally gotten everything in place, but you just never know what's coming your way. And <clears throat> I would see the phone number. I have to like really work on when I see the phone numbers of the different people that call me. You know, I have to breathe uh, before I answer because I never know what is on the other side of it, what I'm going to hear. You know, did my mother fall? Did, did the director of nursing do something crazy again or demanding this be done and that be done? Did did hospice want, is her headaches really bad? So it's it's more it's more stressful now than it was before my mother went on to hospice because hospice, we know that my mother's dying. And since I'm not right there, and I could be even just a half hour away and I would still get these calls, you just you just don't know what each day is going to bring. And I think that's the hardest part of the caregiver. You can get everything set up. And I've got a great team, a great, great team that helps me. Secondary, to, uh, you know, in my mind, first to the to protect me one to protect me from the institution that is, you know, doesn't have the resources or the staff to really care. We see that in all facilities. You know, states mandate certain, like, you know, one nurse at night and, you know, two or three 
you know, like I think it's one caregiver to eight, seven or eight patients, you know, one CNA. That's crazy. You you can't be taken care of. You know, one person can't do that. So, so when you're on, so you never know what's coming in with hospice. You know, here you are dealing with the fact that you've you 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 accepted that your your loved one is 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 dying, right? You you you've accepted that, and and you're uh, you're you're having to go 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 through all the emotions of that. Now I'm lucky because I worked in the death and dying field uh, when. Uh, I worked in HIV and AIDS, and when I worked, when I started working in HIV, we didn't have a lot of med- we didn't have any medication. I think when I, about a year after I started, AZT came came about, and we were able to per you know you know so anyway, I was dealing with a lot with death and dying. So I've had a lot of experiences with dying. And being in the room when people have died, and it's a little bit different when it's my mother, but I am willing, you know, I, I think there's two things that happen when your loved one is on hospice. The question is, are you doing the right thing? So what you need to do is get all the resources of the hospice to support you. And one thing that you must demand of the hospice is that they do what they're supposed to they're supposed to send a nurse. There's a social worker. And a social worker is someone you can talk to. I mean, when, when someone's dying and, you know, it's not like imminent, like the next day you can see it, you need to vent. You need to talk about it. It's hard to think about today you're looking at your loved one and tomorrow they may not be there. It's really good to have seasoned people who can help you, who can hold your hand, or who you can talk to. It's nice to have someone who's not a family member or someone that's just very compassionate to 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 talk to. A lot of times the chaplains that are involved in the hospices are also very good, very compassionate, and very loving. My mother was a was a really into prayer, although her stroke she kind of wiped her out, wiped it out of her. So I'm able to talk about dying with her. I mean, she wants to die. She keeps telling me, but she doesn't. She keeps telling me she doesn't know how to get there. Well, I don't really know how to get there except to help her pray and talk to God. You know, if that's what you believe in. You know, if you don't believe in God, then you have to figure out a way to comfort, you know, your loved one. And whatever way you have designed is they need that comfort. It is, it is a journey for them, and it's difficult. And it, it can be very scary for people. You know, we're all taught this is what, in many religions, not all, I mean, I'm, I think we all taught, taught, but in many religions, there are different ways that look at death, what happens, how, you know, what to do at death. So we may have that intellectual experience and that, you know, lifetime of hearing about it. But when the time comes, when you're faced with it, it's a different, it's a different song, and it's and it's different because you are letting. I imagine, and this is one from talking people that you're you're beginning to let go of this earth, and people have different ways of doing it. 
And the one theme it takes a while to get through is the the fear, the fear of dying, the fear of death, because we just don't know what's what's happening. My mother keeps saying to me, "Oh, look over there," and she's been hallucinating for since really since her stroke, and we just realized it. But she'll say, "Look, isn't it pretty over there?" Yes, mom, it's very pretty. And then she'll kind of look away, and it's not so pretty. And there are there seems to be a lot of people in the room with her, and I just. My job, I realize, is just to continue to folk, help focus her because she believed so strongly in God, or she did until she had the stroke, and then she forgot, but it's sort of come back. And I keep trying to help her focus on that she's going to see my father, which she totally believes, and she keeps telling me, I'm just waiting for him to come and take me. And, you know, why can't I go today? Well, none of us know why, what, when the time comes or why. And I know this is probably something that you've thought about, many of you. But we just don't know the answers. Uh, you know, I just, my, I, a part of me would like to really help my mother understand, you know, help her. How can I help her die? I mean, I'm not talking about giving her any medicine. Well, putting you know a pillow over her face—that's not what I'm talking about. How can, how can I give her like take help her with that fear, and that's you know sort of what I'm going through now. It's how just hold her hand, you know. I I like to chant. I'll, I'll sing to her. She likes that, you know. She she just wants me there. She wants the comfort. So it's it's a journey that I'm trying to be, that we all try to be very positive and I'm using hospice to support me. And that's all I want is I want the support. I want to be able not to be a nurse practitioner. I want to just be able to love my mom, uh, help her in her last days to feel comfort and compassion and love, to be able to cross, to die gracefully. To, to die with support and love. And that, if that's all I can do in my last days, then I will be extraordinarily happy and feel very blessed. Anyway, here's hoping that today, I already got one call. It's only, it's only 9 o'clock my time. So I'm hoping that today that's the only call because some days I get quite a few more. And I'm just hoping, hoping and praying today is the day. Enjoy the day with just one call. All right, folks, until the next time we talk. Hope this wasn't too much of a downer, this one.